0: Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smart-nized. Today's episode, Insulting Islam. Imagine for a moment that you're back in the mid-1940s with your 2008 knowledge, attitude, ethics and morals. The Ku Klux Klan, which has seen its power rise and fall several times over the course of its existence, is at the peak of its power in many parts of the country. They aren't using terror tactics as much as they used to, but the threat of violence is helping them spread their religion of hate and to keep critics silent. You're having a casual conversation with someone when the subject of the clan comes up. The clan, they say, is based on a religious belief, so everyone should respect their religion. Besides, they add, only a tiny percentage of the clan actually commits violent acts. Most are just normal people who want to live their lives without bothering anyone. Calling them racists and terrorists is condemning them all for the actions of a few. You really shouldn't be painting a group with such a wide brush. That's bigotry. What would your reaction be? Now let's zip back to 2008 and change the subject slightly. This time, you're having the same conversation, but it's about Muslims. Would your reaction be different? Should it be? Like all analogies, this one is flawed because there are some Muslims who haven't bought into the violence and racism that is at the core of their religion but I believe that they represent the minority view. I didn't want to believe that. After 9-11, I really wanted to believe that the majority of Muslims were peaceful people and the evil done in the name of their religion didn't represent the majority of them. I tried very hard to cling to that belief in the face of mounting evidence that I was wrong. I remember the moment when I stopped trying to believe that myth and gave in to reality. 60 Minutes was doing a story on a private Muslim high school in the U.S. We were shown clips of teachers giving lessons that Jews were wonderful people, that non-believers should be treated respectfully, that violence was wrong, and so on and so on. Then the kids were brought in for an interview. The girls wore modern clothes with the addition of headscarves. These were moderate Muslims. The kids were all bright and articulate. They weren't immigrants. They were second or third generation Americans and they gave all the right answers to the interviewer's questions. Jews were good people, other beliefs should be respected, and the 9-11 hijackers were evil people who didn't represent the true beliefs of Islam. But then they were asked a question they hadn't been prepped for. What do you think happened to the 9-11 hijackers when they died? Every single one of them said, without hesitation, that they went right to heaven. Some of them elaborated on the 72 Virgin story. So much for moderate Muslims. A recent study by the Pew Research Center polled tens of thousands of Muslims all over the world. While it purported to show that in America, Muslims are beginning to mesh with the mainstream, 26% of male American Muslims under the age of 30, the prime suicide bombing demographic said that violence in the defense of Islam was okay. At least sometimes. 26%. And that was amongst the ones that actually answered the question. We Americans are proud of our tolerance, and we're always working to be more tolerant and accepting and accommodating of other beliefs and ideas. That's usually a good thing. But sometimes, tolerance and acceptance is misplaced. We're no longer tolerant of the Klan, because they were vile terrorists. Yet the violence and the terror of the Klan, as horrific and pervasive as it was, is dwarfed by the violence and the terror of the religion of peace. In any given month, Islamic extremists kill and maim and terrorize more people than the Klan did during its entire existence. We need to stop pretending that Islam is a religion of peace. It is based, at its core, on murder terrorism, extreme racism, extreme misogyny, incredible intolerance, and a willingness to use brutal force to spread their beliefs worldwide. In countries where violence and terror isn't working, their tactic is demanding tolerance to spread their beliefs. Western society needs to see Islam for what it is and stop pretending it's what we would like it to be. The recent film Fitna has created a lot of controversy, and it was a propaganda piece put out by somebody that hated Muslims, but it was also very accurate. And everything in there was real. And it showed a lot of Muslim leaders proclaiming that they won't stop until the whole world is Islamic. Imagine what a horrible, brutal world that would be. The Western media is guilty of doing everything they can to soften the image of Islam. A couple years ago, When Muslims rioted for two weeks straight in France, the BBC didn't even mention that the rioters were Muslims in about half of their stories, and in the ones where they did mention it, it was way down in the article. When the D.C. sniper was caught after murdering 16 people, we learned that he was a member of the Nation of Islam and had taken the name John Allen Muhammad. But for months, most news articles referred to him simply as John Allen, which is a name he hadn't used in a decade. Whenever a homosexual is murdered for being gay, it becomes front-page news all across America, and rightly so. But when Muslims murder in the name of their religion, it seldom gets national attention. In January of this year, Yasser Saeed murdered his two teenage daughters while they sat in their car because one of them had a date with a non-Muslim. Why wasn't that on the front page of every newspaper? A month earlier, Mohammed Parvez, a cab driver in Toronto, murdered his 16-year-old daughter because she didn't want to wear a hajib to school. Was that news story covered prominently? Of course not. That might be perceived as being intolerant. Whenever Muslims make a demand or a request that we change our ways to accommodate them, far too many people immediately acquiesce. They automatically assume that we must, for anything less would be intolerant. But why is it that in such situations Western culture is always wrong, and Islamic culture is always right. Western culture doesn't give a woman 200 lashes for being raped, stone women for adultery while letting the men grow free, mutilate the genitals of young girls, murder people for leaving their cult, routinely practice honor killing, force young girls back into a burning schoolhouse because the firemen might see their faces, behead people, burn people to death, demand the beheading of a woman who let their kids, name a teddy bear, Mohammed, murder artists for saying they're violent, riot for weeks over cartoons, routinely murder civilians, including those who believe in a different flavor of Islam, and teach their children to despise Jews and believe that piloting planes into buildings is an instant ticket to heaven. Why, then, should we go out of our way to make accommodations for their superstitions? This is one of those rare times when less tolerance is warranted. If a Muslim cab driver refuses to give a ride to a blind man because his seeing-eye dog is unclean, he should lose his hack license. If a cashier refuses to ring up beer or pork, she should be fired, and claims of religious discrimination should be ignored. We should not be using public funds to install footbaths and restrooms or allow Muslims to take over college student lounges and demand everyone entering obey Muslim superstitions. We shouldn't have publicly funded Muslim schools school and work shouldn't be scheduled around prayer times in short we should give them just as much tolerance in the u.s as they'd give us in a muslim country and no more we should not tolerate their intolerance stetson kennedy was a southerner who hated the clan after world war ii he infiltrated them and he learned their secret rituals and code words Efforts to publicize the information had got kind of a mixed but limited success. Nobody really cared that much, it seemed, in the media. And the clan, whose power and influence had come and gone and come and gone and come and gone again, was now bigger than ever, and it was so entrenched in politics and society that they seemed invincible. The Adventures of Superman was a hugely popular nightly radio show. During the war, Superman had been fighting the Nazis and the Japanese and Mussolini, but now he needed a new enemy. Kennedy did something brilliant. He contacted the producers, and he offered them the information he had gathered, and they used it to write a month-long series about Superman fighting the Klan. When Kennedy went to the next meeting, the Grand Dragon was shouted down by a very distressed clavern. According to the book Freakonomics, which is an excellent book and tells this story in much more detail than I can tell you here, one of the clansmen said his kids were no longer playing cops and robbers, they were playing Superman against the clan. The guy said, Gang busting, they called it. New all our secret passwords and everything. I never felt so ridiculous in all my life. Suppose my own kid finds my clan robe someday. At the next week's meeting, the room was nearly empty. The clan, who had thrived on terror and fear, couldn't survive mockery and ridicule. Their power vanished. And while they're still around today, their numbers are tiny and their power is gone. And they're regarded by pretty much everybody as ignorant, ridiculous buffoons. We need to do the same to Islam. When I first heard about the suicide bombings in London, I thought about a friend of mine who had moved over there, so I immediately checked his blog And there, on the front page, he had a graphic that had a cup of tea with the caption, Today's Terror Alert, a nice cup of tea. That is exactly the attitude we need to adopt. These barbarians thrive on fear and terror, but they can't handle criticism and ridicule. Therefore, we should criticize and ridicule them at every opportunity. The Dutch cartoons that sparked riots across the Islamic world were only done once, in a big batch. The rarity of such commentary proves the point that the western world is far too quick to concede to fear, not only fear of reprisals, but fear of offending someone. This needs to change. Arab newspapers are filled with political cartoons depicting Jews as hooked-nosed blood-drinking murderers, yet any cartoon suggesting even slightly that there is something wrong with their barbarism, results in riots and protests from them and cries of intolerance from the sympathetic left. So we need more. More cartoons, more critical commentary, more ridicule. We have to stop being afraid to say that they're stupid and ignorant and racist and misogynist and violent and evil. But we need to take it a step further and let them know that we regard them not as fearsome, but as ridiculous. Childish and pathetic. There is a tricky aspect to this, though. While we need to treat the group like this, we shouldn't extend this to individuals that we meet in our daily lives. We should assume that the Muslims we meet are among the cool ones until they give us a reason to believe otherwise. This may seem a little difficult. It's hard to belittle a group and then behave civilly when dealing with an individual who belongs to it, but it's not really that hard. It, it requires some practice, and to do it otherwise is to give in to bigotry. I have some dear friends who are fundamentalist Christians, and my life would be poorer without them. But I still ridicule Fundies as a group every chance that I get. History is full of examples of great civilizations that were brought down by barbarians, barbarians who used force and terror to take control. Islam's goal is to do it again. Persecution won't stop them. Fundamentalists thrive on persecution and are inspired by it. But ridicule, combined with a refusal to compromise our way of life, has at least some chance of succeeding. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. If you learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations. You've been smartenized. I was surprised I didn't get more email about the Jimmy Carter show, but I actually did get a lot of feedback on it because I put most of it on the Quick Hits blog, and a lot of the people that were commenting on it were people that write in regularly for the podcast, so I guess that's uh, that counts. It would actually be cool to uh, set up the podcast page as a blog, but I'm trying to do that with another project, and man, it's just too much work to make everything look right and work smoothly. But I will be putting this on the regular Quick Hits page, and I may put a link to the blog so that uh, conversation can take place there, at least on this one. Some people defended Carter. Most people agreed with what I had to say about him and his incompetence. I was called to task for calling him a despicable human being, and, well, maybe I was a little bit hyperbolic about that, but what he was doing was despicable, and I... Don't apologize for that opinion. And if you would like to let me know what you think about this or any other show, drop me a line. Hitman at davehit.com. You can get it in the MP3 tags of this file, or you can go to davehit.com, spell with two T's, and you'll find it all over the place there, along with a whole bunch of other stuff. Old articles. I've uh, been doing a lot more stuff on the blog lately, so stop by and check it out. As always never forget that the Quick Hits Podcast is little more than a journal of one man's opinion and therefore should not be taken too seriously.